Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in the Harrisburg region of Central Pennsylvania. Sermon B-Side is designed to be a resource to answer your questions and to go deeper into the conversation started by each week's sermon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the B-Sides Podcast here at Liberty Church Harrisburg. I'm Steve King, and alongside me, as always, is Matt Lloyd, and joining today... Welcome to the show, Bob Carvella. Bob, welcome in. Ah, good to be here. I've list faithful listener, uh, first time here. So okay, good to be here. There you go. Yeah, welcome, Bob. Yeah, welcome. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You know what? Um, you know what I learned yesterday. Tell us. Maybe I didn't just learn it. Maybe just tell occurred, everybody. Occurred what to me it? yesterday. So Bob shared a little bit of his former life with us in his sermon <laughs> about how he worked for the state yeah, in yeah. labor labor relations. Yeah. Yep. Bob, of course, his last name is Carvella. Uh, he's Italian. Oh boy. He worked on, but he was not the union guy. He was, uh, the, he was the state labor guy. But I was like trying to put that together. Like there's probably, hey, hey now, what there's are we probably, yeah, it's like, okay, the muscle. So, well, I think maybe, maybe, you know, maybe Bob used to be on the other side of the table and then now he lived right. a separate, you know, maybe he was in witness protection out here in central PA. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, sometimes some of the positions I took, I think some people on my side thought maybe I was working mm, for the other yeah, side. Yeah. Okay. I mean, to smooth things over and, uh, find some solutions to issues and, okay. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah but it didn't always work out the way we'd hope, but uh, yeah, this, I mean, that, it, you could have applied to more pressure, I think, Bob. Bob, yeah. Bob, you had like some connections there that you could have, like <laughs> you could have pushed that button. And the, the Pittsburgh roots, you know, the oh, mob yeah. had some Pittsburgh uh, ties back in the day. Whoa, so. whoa, whoa, whoa! Who's talking about the mob here, man? I even know. What, oh, oh, that's what you're saying. Oh, oh, sorry, yeah. oh, I'm catching I, up. I now. could okay. make a phone call, and okay. uh, you know. I thought actually, uh, I thought that fit really well though, Bob. Just um, you know, the the courtroom drama and even bringing your experience into you know arbitration, yeah, less, less courtroom, more arbitration. But just um, some of those some of those tactics of particularly flattery that were you know employed and still are employed in uh, arbitration, but were clearly right there in, in Acts twenty four. Yeah, and the other thing I thought of, which this may be too deep in the weeds, but a lot of times when I would get a grievance from the union, there would be the the um, the charges or the allegations on the grievance form, but usually that wasn't the real issue. The real issue was something deeper Mm. that once you go out and talk to the people, it kind of came to the surface. And it was almost like I I employed that kind of an analysis when I thought about the uh, charges that Felix leveled. Mm. He talked about uh, riots and, you know, Colin Paul uh, pest and all that kind of stuff, a plague. Mm. But, that's where I got to. Well, what's what's he really saying here? And that's where I thought he he's really telling Felix Paul's going to disrupt the peace unless you stop him. Yeah, and you and you got to stop him now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I thought you did a good job with that too yesterday. Yeah. Just pulling in some of your history of being in the courtroom. Um, before we get to Acts twenty four, that's where we were. Acts twenty four. Bob, how many t- did you actually ever compliment someone on their tie in the courtroom? That was the example you gave. <laughs> oh, your most excellent highness, what a wonderful tie you're wearing today. Did you ever do that? Well. Yeah, hopefully, uh. hopefully not just to be, pers- you know, kind of sway, but that, you know, I, I enjoy a good tie. So, okay. yeah. Okay. Small talk, open up a little bit of, you know, dialogue there. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. Just want to see, just want to see what lo- levels you were willing to go to. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, Acts 24, that's where we were yesterday. And Bob, thank you for preaching um, to our community yesterday. Anyone that joined us or listened, Acts 24, yeah. if you're listening to this and you haven't yet, Listen to the sermon uh, because you just weren't in church yesterday. We haven't been able to listen to and catch up yet. It's Acts 24. Bob, walk us through 
Um, maybe just a quick, give us the quick 20-second summary. What is Acts 24? Where do we find Paul? And then just let that lead you into what are things that are top, top of mind for you uh, coming out of the sermon, coming out of the message uh, that would be helpful for us to talk more about? Yeah, so uh, Acts 24, uh, Paul finds himself on trial for a third time. Um, and this time the Sanhedrin bring in Tertullus as uh, sort of a hired gun. Um, obviously in the first part of the sermon, I thought a lot about uh, peace and, um, and the peace of uh, God, that the peace that the gospel um, is bringing into the world and contrasting that not just with the Pax Romana, but with the peace that this world offers and, mm. It just seems to me. It just seemed to me that it was a clear distinction, not just between the Pax Romana, but even to today, that that really the best we can hope for a lot of times is just absence of conflict. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and that extends not just politically, but even back in my uh, labor management days, you, you just wanted no grievances, sure, um, and no unrest, and that 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 does provide a platform for a workplace to operate better. Yeah. Um, in marriages, yeah. we, we, you know, sometimes settle for, well, at least we're not fighting. Right. You know, and there's sure. not open conflict. But the peace that the gospel brings doesn't just result in the absence of conflict, but it, in the presence of uh, shalom, of wholeness, of mm. things being the way they're supposed to be. So in the context of marriage, just not, not just that you're not fighting and arguing and Doing that kind of thing, but but there is really true uh, oneness, true wholeness between a husband and a wife. Uh, that would be one example in a workplace that there's not just um, no animosity between employers and employers yeah. or or coworkers. Yeah. But there really is a harmonious working relationship where everybody is working hmm. um, ultimately, hopefully, for the glory of God, but also for the good of the organization without personal agendas and those kinds of things. So so those are some of the things I thought of with the, the first part of the sermon. And then um, the second part, I, you guys know that as elders, we've, we've had some conversations over uh, recent months about uh, evangelism and, mm-hmm. and how, how we can, um, can help our people to evangelize and even, frankly, for ourselves, how that mm-hmm. can be more front and center in our lives. And as I looked at what what Paul was sharing with Felix and Drusilla, it just seemed like an open opportunity for me to focus on anybody who might not be a believer then, mm. and really uh, use those three um, things that Paul talked about, uh, righteousness, <clears throat> self-control, and the judgment to come, yeah. as a way to speak to anybody listening who may not be a follower of Christ. Yeah. So... It's really good. I yeah, I really appreciated how you well how you I mean the whole sermon I, I really appreciated how you did that, Bob. And um and really how, you know, as even as you were unpacking that that idea of peace a little bit more, um that there's you know, there like everyone has a um everyone has their own kind of functional gospel. They have their own functional kind of like here's the good news, here's my ultimate aim of what I'm aiming for. They've got like their own story, maybe that's the best way to say it, of the world, and 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 where Rome's the best conclusion of their story was like as they conquered these vast 
tracts of land to just have calm and absence of conflict there. But there's, but there's better news than the absence of conflict. Yeah, I, yeah. I loved how you're saying that and how, you know, um, even Felix himself kind of had probably been fairly content at this point in his life. He had, you know, through brutal methods, as you were describing yesterday, uh, had achieved some kind of level of, of peace, Pax Romano, like that kind of peace in the region. Um, and was kind of like seemingly like, you know, um, he, he was content to kind of leave Paul there and not like have to hurry the process, maybe just kind of make a little bit of money on the side from from Paul getting a, getting a bribe or something when he's in, in uh, under house arrest for a couple years there. But uh, but how Paul just didn't didn't leave him in that place of just kind of comfort and uh, that false kind of peace. He he like went prodding after the things that that really were issues in in Felix's life. Um, but had to be had to be brought out. Like the better peace comes through conflict, not not just the avoidance or absence of it. Yeah. So I thought that was I thought that was really well done. Yeah. Yeah. The the other thing that I actually I just thought of is I, I think it's significant that you know Paul shared with him about righteousness, self control, the coming judgment. Felix was alarmed, sent him away. Yep. But he called him back. It says yeah. that. Um, uh, he sent for him often and conversed with him. So I, I think what I get from that is that what alarmed Felix wasn't Paul and his uh, approach. Sometimes we can, you know, especially when we're talking about righteousness, self-control, the judgment mm-hmm. to come. I think sometimes we can come across a little bit obnoxious. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I don't think... Paul did. I think he he was able to present that in a way that the it was the message that alarmed and caused Felix to fear. Yeah. It wasn't Paul's approach. Yeah. So he so he called Paul back. Yeah. You know he was probably hoping for some money, but um, I I do think they continued to converse and. Um, you know who knows maybe at some point down the road some fruit came of that. Yeah. yeah. I think there's a I think there's an interesting full circle concept to consider which scripture doesn't really really doesn't bring us a lot of uh clarity on and we don't actually know where it goes but i think there's a lot of irony in uh verse two um when tertullus is uh beginning to accuse paul speaking to felix and he says since through you we enjoy much peace i think it's incredibly ironic that that now the accusation is going to be made against the messenger paul of the prince of peace yeah. um and yes. that Bob, what you're saying there, what was it about the message that Paul was delivering to Felix, you know, meeting after meeting that made him un- uncomfortable? It wasn't probably as much Paul's. It was the unraveling of his perspective of what peace what was. peace was. And his perspective of the world that he's contributed to building. Um, so I just think there's a lot of irony in that yeah. in, in verse 2 there. Hmm. They're, they're like, you're pointing the finger at the one who actually has the best piece to bring yeah. and, and throwing at him an accusation, accusation that he's going to unravel the very thing that he can only deliver because he has the message of Christ. Yeah, for sure. um, so I, I thought there was some irony in there. And there's probably, you know, but yeah, so the message of peace, I think, shows up. And I appreciate what you're saying that the conversations they have would be interesting to hear. I've heard more of them. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, so, and so here's maybe the parallel and even maybe a, a segue into some Bible study discussion, right? So you think we're going into holiday seasons of Thanksgiving and Christmas, family dynamics and trying to navigate those well through those conversations. We can often think like the goal, the aim of this is just like the absence of conflict. Like yeah, let's, sure. let's get there. Let's like get out of there without like any, without anything flaring up, without right. any powder kegs blowing up. Right. 
And instead, you know, um, and, you know, not to say we shouldn't do this with wisdom and grace and thoughtfulness and so how and when to bring up Because sometimes there are real powder kegs yeah. that we need to, right? <laughs> like maybe dropping a, you know, dropping the coming judgment bomb, like as you're carving the turkey, like isn't the right exact moment to do that at a big group table. <laughs> but um, I, the whole idea of like, do we have a better goal or aim mm. in those kind of environments where we kind of like, I'm guilty of this all the time too. I'm like, let's just... This is a setting where like I'm a little bit uncomfortable. I don't know everybody well here. Um, maybe that's a neighborhood. Maybe it's a you know family gathering, whatever. And it's like the goal here is just to kind of come out the other side without it being volatile. And and actually, this whole idea of Jesus and the gospel being a better peace, uh, bring the the real bringer of peace is the one that's being accused of being the one yeah. that like disrupts peace. There actually is a reality to that. Like real peace comes through conflict, disrupts are perceived counterfeit versions of peace. Mm. And so, I mean, I'm just thinking like, how do we take that out of first century courtrooms and into the reality of kind of everyday life for us? It's like, well, pray through what, what would be a better goal for us in our, you know, maybe it's our family gatherings during holidays or, or upcoming kind of environments um, where like, what would the peace of the gospel actually look like to move toward that real peace that Jesus mm. brings in those rather than just kind of settle for the, the lesser, uh, the lesser um, aim of no volatility. Yeah. yeah. Good. It's a good thought. Good. We did get a question though. Yeah, we did. Yeah. So one question, question came in. We always love having questions come in Sunday afternoon, evening, Monday mornings. Here's the question. I'll read it as it came in. <clears throat> Can you go deeper into the role we play in quote unquote self-control? So as a reference to when that was talked about in the sermon, even mentioned in scripture, um, what is God's role in this process, that being self-control, and what is ours? And can you give an example or two? So that the self-control reference is, is especially from verse 25, um, when Paul is meeting with uh, Felix, um, and, he, and it says, and Paul reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, uh, Felix was alarmed, right? And then he said, go away for the present, when I got an opportunity, I'll summon you. And the, and the a few verses later, the chapter ends. So there's that reference to self-control, righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment. Um, so what's maybe a review of what that self-control, Bob, you talked about that a little yesterday. So maybe a recap of what you referenced yesterday and then our role in self-control compared to God's. Yeah, so I, the point I tried to make was that a lot of times, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm guilty of this, when I, when I think of self-control, I focus on the control aspect of that phrase. And mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. trying to drum up more willpower, more um, self-discipline, more mm -hmm. um, uh, inner strength to, um, to discipline myself to, to avoid certain things and to do certain things that I should be doing. Mm -hmm. I, I think less emphasis is often placed on the self part of that. And hmm. so you have verses where in Galatians, I think when I referenced that you're, we're called to put off our old self mm -hmm. and to put on our new, new self or a verse like uh, still in Galatians uh, chapter two, verse 20, I've been crucified with Christ. Hmm. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So hmm. I, I think this idea of, of surrendering ourselves to the control of Christ mm -hmm. is the real key. And how do you get there? I, I really think, you know, Chuck Knoll used to say, he was coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He said, you can make football as complicated as you want. It comes down to blocking and tackling. Hmm. 
Hmm. And I think, you know, we can talk a lot about uh, all sorts of different strategies and approaches and all that kind of thing. And I think there's some good in that. I think our rhythms of grace that we have are a big key hmm. in in getting uh, not just our self-control, but just our whole life as a Christian hmm. under the control of Christ, you know, hmm. gathered worship, um, um, Bible studies, all, all the things that we talk about in terms of the rhythms of grace, those daily prayer and scripture reading, um, uh, connecting with the community of believers that we have here. All of those things, I think, shape our self-control to be more in conformity um, with Christ mm. and having him be in control of our lives. Yeah. So yeah. Those, those would be just some thoughts that I would have. Yeah, inherent in what you're saying, <clears throat> you mentioned there right at the beginning, uh, an uncomfortable word for someone not living by the Spirit or just the world in general. Um, Self-control implies that there's a divide within us that actually needs to be controlled. There's, there's a divide in ourself. Mm-hmm. And so Galatians talks about living by the flesh versus living by the spirit. Um, this is maybe an un, a, kind of an unwelcome word for our world at times, which is you don't go inside in right. yourself to find what is actually the best thing for you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, or when you do, you need to be really discerning for what you find because the nature, the, the nature of sin within us and our sin nature will lead us astray. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we just go inside and whatever we find end up, ends up being our definition of truth or true north of where we should be going and how we should be affirmed, mm-hmm. how what we should want, our desires like that, it's just going to, we're going to quickly be living by the flesh yeah. in that regard. Whether we know it or not, that's how we'll be living. Uh, when we're awakened to the flesh versus the spirit waging war within us, now we have to like, oh, we have to control ourselves. There's a divide that needs to be controlled, mm-hmm. that's right. um, which I think is a, a, you mentioned that's kind of inherent of all of what you're talking about. Right. Um, Matt, any, any further thoughts from you on that? And let's even, if, even as if you tip over into, well, what's the role of yeah. God and the spirit versus us? Like, how do we do that? Well, yeah. So <clears throat> different from our justification, which is <clears throat> we're purely passive in our justification. God declares us righteous through the work of Jesus, Second uh, Corinthians five twenty one, the great exchange. Right, Jesus yeah. takes our unrighteousness on Himself, uh, gives us uh, His righteousness. We don't earn anything. We're just completely, we're, you know, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Different from our sanctification, our justification, still God's work, but one that we participate actively in. So um, uh, I'm thinking of uh, Philippians where Paul writes, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, but it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Back-to-back verses. And that's that it's a joint, it's an effort with God, has to be the power of God yeah. that accomplishes our sanctification. We can't sanctify ourselves, but we're we are active in that with God as opposed to justification we're completely passive in. So, um, or like, you know, layman's terms, street terms, the Dallas Willard quote is always really helpful to me. Grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. Hmm. So like God's grace is, a, is, a, is the, 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 you know, the opposite of grace is earning something from God. The opposite of grace is not effort that we, that we actually apply ourselves mm-hmm. to things. And so as it relates to self-control, I think that that applies really well. Yeah. God has to give us a new <clears throat> heart of, fle- uh, of flesh, rip out our heart of stone. We're passive in that. Uh, the spirit is a gift that is given to us. We can't earn the spirit or like obtain the spirit by our own efforts. Self-control is a fruit of the spirit. 
But we are absolutely called to be active and to make all these active efforts in exercising self-control where Bob was, you know, right on in his sermon yesterday and he's unpacking it here. The, the focus, we often just go straight to like the, okay, well, God gave me grace to kind of get in the door. It's all on me now. Let me work on the control part. Let me come up with my disciplined efforts to do it. And we forget like, um, the battle that rages forever is the Romans, the end of Romans seven battle. Like the things I hate, I do the things I love. I don't do. It's the flesh that's in. There's still that old man, that old, that old nature yeah. waging war against uh, the new man and the, and the new self that that's been, that's we're being put on. So God has to give us the new identity. Um, we have to work actively to become who we are, yeah. Uh, to to step into the identity that has been given to us passively. So that's that's maybe um, the question asked for some specific examples. So I I don't know if you guys if any specific examples came to mind there, but from like a maybe a little bit a higher level like unpacking the the justification sanctification thing. That's where my mind goes. Yeah. No, that's that's good. I, I, as you're as you're saying that, um, I'm thinking you, you reference Romans seven. I'm thinking of Romans eight. Um, and Romans eight thirteen, um, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit yep. you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Yep. Um, and then you are somebody like I love the the Dallas Willard quote. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. The effort reminds me of what Paul writes about in I think it's First Corinthians nine, where he talks about just like an athlete. Uh, beats his body into submission. Yeah. Right. And it's like, there's likening of like, well, we as followers of Christ beat our bodies in submission. And as an athlete does it for something that's perishable, we do it for something that's imperishable. Yep. Um, there's a discipline there in the effort. Yep. Um, so I, you know, when I think about examples of that for me, um, I mean, I, I, I can think even just something as simple as like the discipline of study, the discipline of prayer, sure. um, the discipline of like the, what, what are the first mm-hmm. things that I give my mind to when I wake up in the morning? Mm-hmm. Um, there are seasons of my life where, you know, I, I you know, I, I, I love being active. I love training, not just even actually, I love training for stuff. I don't compete in anything anymore, but like I love training for stuff. You love your kettlebells. I love my kettlebells. All right, side yep. Fun fact. Fun fact. I love my kettlebells and I love rowing. Right, yeah. and so these things I enjoy doing, and I, I actually enjoyed doing them growing up as someone who was in competitive athletics for a lot of my life. Not just exercise. I like training for stuff. I actually mm-hmm. like trying to beat scores or like get better at things, and and, and so. Um, that the first Corinthians nine, mm-hmm. like that resonates with me a lot because yeah. yeah, if I were to train for something, how I would go about my exercise regime, my diet, my mm-hmm. sleep patterns, all those things would be so important. So self-control, well, for me as a Christian, what does that look like? I have seasons where I go, wow, actually I'm really not self-controlled right now in my prayer and, mm-hmm. and study of the word. Yeah. And then that's a helpful conviction from the spirit for me to go, well, what would that look like if I were training, mm-hmm. which I am, which we all are. We're training for, for, for living by the spirit, not, not the flesh. So self-control for me sometimes is as simple as, you know, making sure I'm getting up in the morning and reading the word first or engaging in prayer mm-hmm. um, intentionally. I mean, that sounds like maybe a really easy example. Maybe I, I, I went first, mm-hmm. so I'm picking some low-hanging fruit maybe, but um, that's self-control to me because otherwise what happens, just like an athlete who gives up you know, the, the training for a couple of weeks goes like, wait a second, I'm, I'm, I'm out of breath. I'm a bit slower, put on some weight. I don't want, it's like, whatever sure. there may be like, well, if we walk away from our prayer and our study of the word, 
man, we become our, the flesh starts to get a little bit more a hold of us. And we get, I mean, I get, so let me speak from my own perspective. I get more frustrated easily. I lose sight of the peace that mm. I have and the joy that I have in Christ. Mm. Um, I get frustrated with myself and others, my temper, my anger, like all these things kind of spiral out of control mm-hmm. and not so quickly that anybody would look and go like, wow, what's wrong with Steve? Mm-hmm. But for me, like I'm aware of it. I can feel that uh, greater than others. I think any one of us can. We know mm-hmm. ourselves better than other people at times. So that, that would come to mind for me as an example. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And I, I like what you talked about there in terms of prayer and scripture. You know, yeah. uh, we think about, well, you know, a lot of the confessions talk about scripture being the only infallible rule of faith and practice. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so what informs our self-control should be scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. then, uh, communicating with God and listening to God through prayer. I think those are ways in which we can bring our self-control under the control of Christ. It's not just a kind of a <laughs> mysterious thing that happens, but, yeah. but we have his word to guide and direct us. So, hmm. you know, in terms of marriage, we have Ephesians uh, 5, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, and he gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. He's talking about Christ and the church, but he's also talking about as a husband, how am I supposed to love my wife? Mm. So, at, mm. so in terms of self-control in that sphere, I think as we, the way we approach our wives, the way we interact with our wives, is it uppermost in our mind that 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 is what we are to be doing? That that we're working to sanctify them, to cleanse them, mm. to someday present them uh, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Ultimately, that's a work of the spirit, yes. but. But that is a, a particular role that we as husbands play with our wives. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I think we let Scripture inform and shape our self-control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So. There's, um, yeah, I mean, practically too, and maybe this comes up in studies as you're talking about it. So um, examples, right? So food, alcohol, money, mm-hmm. sex, lust, you know, those are like other aspects i think that the fruit of the spirit of self-control has a lot to do with you yeah. know like how do we exercise self-control in any of these you things? went right to it you went right to the i mean that's that's yep. where i mean that's where my mind goes sure when i think yeah. of the of like the the daily i mean bob i think the marriage aspect and, and certainly st- like anything that requires discipline in our lives and, and effort and like intentional effort would, would relate to self-control yeah but where do we lack self-control where you know uh to your point yesterday in the sermon bob like you know, if, if it's based on us, if, you know, Paul, well, part of the reason Felix is so alarmed is like Paul goes right for the heart of it and says, well, yeah, if you, you know, you have to have self-control to be, you have to be perfect. You have to exceed your righteousness to exceed the, that of the Pharisees. And you have to be, and you're like, I clearly don't have that kind of righteousness. I don't have that kind of self-control. All of us can think of one or more ways in our lives that if, um, that we're the, probably the, the, the most vulnerable to not living a controlled, disciplined kind yeah. of life. As to this this uh, this listener's question about what's God's role in the process and what's ours, and related to those examples, um, I I think you go back to you've been given an identity that you do not need to live out of that old man anymore. You, you, it is not inevitable that you have to hmm. abuse alcohol, money, uh, lust. Hmm. Um, so you've been already given that identity. You've been washed. You've been cleansed. You've been adopted into Jesus's, God's kingdom. Jesus, you know, your older brother um, in this and your savior in this. 
what's our role? That same Jesus who goes to the cross to save you will say, at least as it relates to lust, sexual sin, you know, tear out your eye, cut off your hand, hyperbole, not literally do those things, but like take extreme action against those areas of your life that you lack self-control. It's, yeah. it's better for you to fight that hard than to, than to, to not actually step into the new identity you have to live like an orphan, to live like someone that doesn't belong in the kingdom of God. And so I think that there's, there's maybe some practical things that in examples that come out of that. Yeah. So even like sexual sins, yeah. I mean, if that is a struggle for you, not just to think, okay, this week is going to be different. Yep. Um, mm. Why? Why would it be different than any of the other weeks? Yeah. But just on your own strength. But, yeah. but you know, certainly through prayer, but through uh, bringing a couple brothers or sisters, as the case may be, into your life and say, hey, yeah. would you pray for me for this er- in this area? Would you hold me accountable for this area? And then, mm-hmm. you know, maybe tools like Covenant Eyes or some of the other things that mm-hmm. are out there in which... Uh, there are ways that you can invite people in to help you in those areas. I, I think that's another way that we can work as a community to help each other with our self-control yeah. um, and, and have it not just be, um, you know, all on you, certainly inviting the Holy Spirit to help, but also inviting mm-hmm. other brothers and sisters in to encourage, to pray for it, to hold you accountable. I think mm-hmm. those are all tools that are good. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. That's good. Well, um, as we go into Bible studies this week, uh, maybe Bob, I'll set you up here for the for the last word. If you have anything else to share, what would even come out of yesterday for you? Other other prompts that you would want to give, even if just one more or a Bible study for how they can best um, reflect on and continue studying through um, what you preached on yesterday. A challenge, even if even it's just a challenge to. Um, the men and women in studies that this week will be hopefully utilizing this resource to drive their conversations. Yeah, so um, I think I mentioned that the towards the end of the first part where we talk about peace. Are, are there areas in your life where you are resisting the peace uh, that God can, that the gospel can can bring to your life? Mm-hmm. Or are there areas that you're like, I don't want God to mess with this area of my life. I, I'm content with it the way it is. And maybe it is because it is in conformity. I don't want to discount that, but maybe mm. it's also because you just like it the way you like it. Yeah. And, and it's not necessarily, um, an aspect of your life that is informed and shaped by scripture and, and, uh, in conformity to God's design. So maybe talk about that a little bit. Are there some areas that you're stiff arming the peace of God? And then, Matt, as you were saying earlier about thinking about entering the holiday season here mm-hmm. coming up, are there people that even now that you're likely going to see at Thanksgiving or Christmas that we can be starting to pray for now that you could maybe have conversations mm-hmm. about, you know, it could be about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. It could be other areas. There, there might be other entry points mm-hmm. to conversations about the gospel, but but to begin to think and pray about those now so that maybe... Uh, maybe you could be used uh, in someone's life the way that that Paul was used in Felix's. Um, you know, ultimately salvation is is of the Lord, and we don't know that Felix ever came to trust in Jesus Christ. Hmm. But but maybe he would use us uh, to bring people to Christ. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Great challenges, great thoughts, Bob. Thank you again for preaching yesterday. Uh, hopefully, this has been a good resource too for anyone listening for uh, going into Bible studies and conversations this week. Uh, and as you've heard some prompts even beyond this week, 
yeah. moving forward, let us always be applying uh, the things that we're hearing from the Word each week to our lives, uh, not just one week at a time, but, but changing our lives uh, for every week that God gives us ahead. Um, so thank you for joining us today. Matt, Bob, thanks for joining on the podcast today. Uh, everyone yeah. have a great uh, rest of the day wherever you find yourself, and we'll see you again on Sunday in future weeks. Sounds good. All right. All right bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Sermon B-Side podcast. For more resources and information about our church, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org.